Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. Company. No, no, no! Oh, yes! Yes! Shoot the ball! Shoot it! Shoot it! You know they're going to end it on a three, right? From half court, really. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Five o'clock hours here. You hear some uh, NBA action from the weekend, All Star game. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. It's Steve Cofield. It's Adam Candy. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar is the spot. You can come on down. Puck is uh, dropping for the Wild and your Vegas Golden Knights. Excellent draft specials, just $5 on the drafts. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Candy, did you... Take the risk and venture out around Las Vegas this weekend. Uh, no, sir. The only going out in Las Vegas I did was my usual 30 seconds of casino exposure walking in from the South Point parking lot of the studio inside it. <laughs> uh, you didn't party this weekend out and about without restrictions? By the way, those are the words of Miami Beach City Manager Raul uh, Guila, who said, you want to party without restrictions? Go somewhere else. Go to Vegas. He said that just a couple of days ago, and I think most of us in Vegas looked at it like, "I yeah, come here, but he's lying to you. You're going to come here, and there are restrictions, So, but please come. From Florida. Yeah. I'm just making sure I've got the state Florida. correct. Florida, the COVID capital of the world. Riverboat Ron, rolling the dice every day on COVID. But, yes, we're the free-for-all here in Vegas, Miami Beach guy. The guy who put out a rule, Riverboat Ron, the guy who put out a rule saying none of my cities and towns can do anything more restrictive than I've said we can do, which is nothing. COVID capital of the world. Now, instead of getting all, you know, bowing up and acting like, oh, yeah, we're not animals out here. We've got restrictions. I guess we can spin this positively yeah if you believe that yes please we need we need tourists so come here it'll be a little bit of a bait and switch we'll tell you when you hit the ground here the rules but yes it's a free-for-all there's no rules sure come on down yeah yeah i mean um, no i no steve actually i'm sorry i totally forgot i did go out this weekend (laughs) um i was i was at multiple day clubs Uh um i figured shirt on yes i I have respect not in shape yet no 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 beach bod still to come uh, but, yeah, I was at multiple day clubs, and I actually saw uh, masks being ripped off people's faces and said, you know what, you're here, you come to a place where you party like a man. Number four. I actually am working on my beach body. I've mm. put down half of the beers I drink every day, and uh, I'm now carrying any animal that I can slaughter mm. uh, in my neighborhood. Mm. Yeah. 
Wild stray. though, no, no, no dogs and cats. I'm not like that. Oh, I, I didn't um, know you were talking about like the. Stra- I didn't know if the stray cats had suddenly flipped on you and you well, were like, oh, I gotta defend myself. If there's any roadkill, I will, I will actually uh, just kind of press them on my shoulder and walk around the neighborhood. Really? Uh, which brings us to interesting angle with a dude named Wyatt Teller, who is one of the offensive linemen for the Browns. There was a video out over the weekend of him walking around with a 10-foot alligator across his shoulders, 200-pounder. And when I saw it, I was like, wow, kind of impressive. And my first thought was, like, would I ever do that? Um, but I hadn't thought about the fact that, yeah, the gator is dead and someone had to kill it. He's getting a lot of guff for this. It is legal, though. It is legal to uh, to kill, at least uh, in this case, this reptile. And he was, uh, I guess he was on a hunting experience in the central Florida area, the Clay Gully Outfitters. What do you think about him getting a rash of crap over legally hunting alligators? I am not a hunter myself, not something that the mean streets of New York ever taught me. But uh, if... This is a legal activity. Who are we to tell the guy not to? I'm, you know, I'm sure from the animal rights perspective that the gator lovers out there are saying to themselves, "I hate it." But for the football fans out there, let me tell you something. You know who the number one rated guard in all of professional football last year by Pro Football Focus? The Gator Carrier, Mr. Wyatt Teller. Yeah. So obviously, it's something that works. Well, I don't know if he has. He could probably replace it with another exercise. No. How can you match the sliminess and scaliness of, according to Wikipedia, a 500-pound alligator? Assuming it's an American alligator. A Chinese alligator, only up to 100 pounds. All right, look at you with your gator info. Uh, One commenter said, is carrying a dead animal supposed to be impressive? Another wrote, did uh, he kill that gator just for a weightlifting vid? Lame bro. Another person said, this is disgusting, so cruel. This of Wyatt Teller, the Browns guard, carrying a 200-pound alligator after a hunt. Poor animal didn't deserve to die. For that guy to have some fun, someone do something, please. And then others have written in, listen, it's a natural check on the animal population. Uh, It is all licensed, so he wasn't doing anything wrong. Um, You know, when there's too many gators, there can be problems. We've seen that. Now, question for you. Are you sure, we're talking about this as a sport experience, are you sure that Wyatt Teller isn't in some way related to Chubbs Peterson? Wait, what's going on here? Not Chubbs Peterson, no, the golf no, no. pro from Happy Gilmore. Oh, jeez, Happy Gilmore again! Don't you, don't I you know. remember when? Ch- don't you remember when Chubbs lost his hand to the Gator? I forgot. Maybe Wyatt Teller's out here exacting justice. I forgot about the movie. I actually, I told uh, who was it? About ten days ago or so, when the uh, 25th anniversary came up, that I hadn't seen all of Happy Gilmore in one sitting, and I actually did watch it, but I already forgot about the character of Chubbs. Damn me. Damn, damn, damn. Number three. Got to catch up, man, on these newfangled movies. Got to catch up. Well, I think I'll just lay back on this one. Uh, Candy with the Mountain West Conference men's tournament in town. How are you feeling about the bids that are going out there? looks like the uh, Mountain West Conference is in solid position to get one bid and maybe an automatic qualifier and uh, a lot of teams on the outside looking in. That's good, isn't it? From the conference that brought you a noon Friday football schedule release comes the absolute brilliance of useless makeup games to try to fill out regional TV contracts. This might be among the dumbest things that Craig Thompson and the Mountain West Brass have ever done. When you are sitting there with multiple bubble teams, who's the only team that you really feel like is solidly in 
no matter what happens. San Diego State probably can't screw this up any way you slice it. Net rating, Ken Palm, they're right there. But you look at Boise State, you look at Colorado State, and you look at Utah State, and you can see a way that all three of those teams end up out of the tournament. In fact, Utah State probably has to play its way into the tournament at this point. So what did they choose to do? In a situation where you could have protected the far, far more valuable money of NCAA tournament units by saying, hey, you know what? It's not worth the additional COVID risk. It's not worth the additional risk of kids getting injured. We are not going to play these games. We don't need to have a COVID situation where a team can't play in the tournament. We don't need to be like Villanova and have Colin Gillespie or, let's say, Derek Alston or Matt Mitchell or someone else who has to go out there and play a game that is absolutely meaningless, potentially have a season-ending injury. No. What they did was they said, we need to fulfill our TV contracts. And so what did we get? We get useless games like Fresno State going up to Boise State as a 13.5-point dog, and oh, what happened? Fresno State won the game outright, and Boise State takes a hit and falls down off the bubble, at least for that day. And I've heard people out there, and I got into this argument on Twitter with some folks who said, well, just win the game. If you win the game, then you don't have to worry about it. It's not their job to worry about whether the game should be played. They went out there, they played the game, they lost the game. Oh, well. It's Craig Thompson's job as the Mountain West Commissioner to look out for all of the teams, to look out for the health of the entire conference, and to say the risks of playing that game, whether it's a tournament bid, whether it's COVID, whether it's injury, the risks of playing those games were completely, completely heavier than the rewards of a few dollars for playing a regional TV game like a UNLV Wyoming on CBS Sports Network at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. Really glad we got that one in. <laughs> right now, according to uh, Bracketology, last four in Colorado State, Boise. So they're in, but we know a lot can go wrong down the stretch here, uh, and that's beyond what they can control. Uh, Boise is in the four hole so now they they've got to deal with nevada again they've got to play reno and then if they win that boise probably has to beat san diego state and get to the final on the bottom of the bracket csu is three utah state is four so they could all wind up knocking each other off and uh and i, guess, I think anything short of what a, a boise colorado state final and the teams that are last four in right now are still in jeopardy are they not Colorado State or Boise ha- absolutely has to win the tournament to feel confident. Has to win it to feel to, confident. To feel confident? Yeah. yeah. I, I, because, I mean, look, if you're in Colorado State's shoes and you beat a team in Utah State that has a quad three loss to UNLV and is on the outside looking in, mm. what does that do for you? It doesn't do anything to convince the committee that that team deserves to be in. Now, Boise State against San Diego State might be a slightly different story, and we already saw Boise State take the Aztecs to overtime just a couple of weeks ago, so we know it's possible, but it's just so unbelievably short-sighted of the Mountain West to have set up a situation where any of these games have to be talked about like this. Can I just mention uh, one quick point about what you dropped in there, and I mentioned it last hour, the conference football schedule drop at noon Pacific on a Friday. Listen, I'm sure it's really difficult to put the schedule together. I, I would rather see that. I don't know. What, at this point, I'm not sure when they should have released it. Like a week and a half from now, 
what the the Tuesday before the NCAA tournament starts, so they get a day. Like what a what a freaking waste and a misunderstanding of how media works. Releasing it on a Friday, you get obviously you get none of the weekdays ahead to break the thing down, and now and now we're in NCAA tournament time. I feel like we're ripping them needlessly, but it's like guys, we're all dying to talk football. I know you guys on Vsin, you probably would have done freaking multiple shows just breaking down group of five football. You can't do it now. Any opportunity to talk football is going to get placement. I, Steve, two Don't hours me. ago we were talking about the Lions. I know, and it's no. good content. <laughs> Number two. This doesn't make any sense. Dak Prescott's in the fold. Hundred and sixty million dollars, Candy. One twenty-six is guaranteed. Good for Dak. He held out. You heard all these lofty claims and wanting to make thirty-five and forty million a year. He freaking blew out his leg, and the Cowboys were still in a position where they're like, "We don't know what to do." So we'll give him big money. Um, he'll have, I think, seventy-five of this, pretty much up front. And as I was hinting at earlier, there actually is cap relief this year because of the deal. Uh, if they had franchised him and not had a long-term deal, franchise deadline tomorrow, uh, they would have been paying $37 million to Dak Prescott. It'll be $22 million against the cap. And I know it's a lot of numbers, but, folks, the cap is going to hold steady or drop a little bit this year. It's not a cap-friendly year for teams. That extra money is going to help the Cowboys a lot on the front end in terms of you know fixing and building a roster. Oh, yeah. I mean, once you spread that signing bonus out over the length of the contract, it's going to be a completely different situation for them. But, of course, expert negotiator negotiator I don't know what negotiator is expert negotiator Jerry Jones put himself in this situation didn't he Steve when you hand out the contract you did to Zeke Elliott you pretty much signed this Dak Prescott deal that day because you gave a six-year 90 million dollar contract to the least valuable position on your offense and Dak Prescott can just sit and point at that and say oh yeah if that guy's worth that I'm not taking a dollar less than what I want because right now you've got Amari Cooper who's going to come out here this year with a cap number of, I believe, $22 million. Zeke Elliott's got a $13.7 million cap number. And if they were to get rid of him, a $24.5 million dead money hit. Hmm. Demarcus Lawrence has a $25 million cap number. I mean, this team was built to win with this offense. They had no choice but to keep their quarterback. What else was Jerry Jones going to do? He backed himself into a corner. Dak Prescott, $160 million, 126 guaranteed. I'll repeat it again. Are you mad? Am I mad? Yeah. Oh, hell no. Good for Dak. Why would go, anyone be go mad? Go get your though? money. Why would anyone be mad? Oh, you know, Steve, you know the crowd is out there. It's going to say, he's not worth that. Nobody's worth that. Nobody's worth $40 million. You, Dak Prescott, Steve Cofield, Ari, you're worth what the market will pay you. And the market paid him $32 million guaranteed per year. If you're the kind of person who says, oh, well, oh, he doesn't deserve that, just let me know next time you're going to ask your boss for a raise so that I can show up at your office and come to your boss and say, Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. Did you see the sub that guy made the other day? There wasn't enough meat on there. That guy doesn't know how to slice the tomatoes. 
There's no way this guy deserves $15 an hour. Get this crap out of here. Number one. Ah, uh, it's funny. It's funny. Look at Ari cracking up on our little video connect. That's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, the Athletic has uh, Raiders' five biggest needs in free agency. You got a list? I got mine, but I want to hear yours first because we've heard plenty of my views on the Raiders already today. Uh, the list from Tashawn Reed in the Athletic, defensive end, free safety, defensive tackle, cornerback, offensive tackle. Uh, mine, cornerback, defensive end, offensive tackle, defensive tackle, safety. Can I put quarterback on there or am I going to get yelled at? I'm in mean, trouble again. You, you want to make it six? No, I mean, if you want to invite the Carr Family Circus, do it at your own peril. But uh, no, yeah, they're not they're not in immediate need of quarterback help unless it was a top five quarterback who was available and the price in a trade made sense. What do you have? Number one. What's your number one need? Wide receiver. Really? This team does not have a reliable wide receiver to they be need number help. one. Candy. They need help on defense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Yep. You want to oh, you man. want this team to succeed, they need to go out and they need to prioritize getting a top flight wide receiver. If you go look at the Pro Football Focus draft with our friend George Shahuri and Eric Eager, they've got Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver from Minnesota, going to the Raiders. I think he'd be a great all around kind of guy. All right, so that's number one. Number two Let me let me jump in here though. Yeah. This this means three of you now in the company. Want to employ the uh, New Jersey slash Brooklyn Nets approach? Defense, now, outscore you. We're going all offense. Adam Hill's been uh, leading that charge. Are you going that strong that hey they can help the defense? But you know what? Improve it where you're good at and freaking outscore people. I'm telling you that this offense was the strength of the team, and if it's not stronger at wide receiver, it has the chance to regress from where it was last year okay you can't just assume you're at a certain level and you're going to stay there in in my view so uh, in terms of the defense no it's not the total brooklyn nets approach because the rest of my list goes defensive end cornerback tackle and then safety uh and i mean offensive tackle by the way I, i do not agree with spending money on the interior of the line you just brought in malik collins last year so, but cornerback absolutely needs depth, if not an upgrade. We have no proof that Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett are ready to be the number one, number two starting quarterbacks on this team. Let's build on this uh, five free agency needs list in just a bit, and we'll get a preview of the Mountain West Conference men's tournament as uh, one of the deans of the uh, writing side of things, Jeff Grammer, Albuquerque Journal, will join us. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. You know, Adam Candy's a smart guy, but this uh, nonsense with the Raiders' wish list and free agency has me, I was... Livid during the break. Livid. You should have heard him, guys. It was really, it was actually a little bit intimidating. Wide receiver. A little bit intimidating. Wide receiver over defensive tackle. Are you nuts? Over defensive tackle? Well, are, are, oh, have you been drinking the Gruden Kool-Aid? Are you looking for a run stopper? Do you want one of those big hogs in the middle who's 350 pounds and can plant his two feet in the ground? Is that what I, you're looking for? I feel like you're being condescending right now. Uh, I no, I would. It. To you? To the Dean of Las Vegas Sports Radio, never. 
No, the Dean, Ari's the most influential guy on the show. It's We're true, and because he won't vaccine. get a vaccine, nobody yes. will get a vaccine. Set the example, brother. Let's get it together. Uh, you think they're fine at defensive tackle in terms of uh, they could tweak a bit, don't go crazy? There's no need to spend at a position that can easily be replaced with mid-round draft picks if you need to. Like, right. There's no need to go spend big money on this. They tried to sell us on this last year with Malik Collins coming in. And if you ever wondered what the influence of Rod Marinelli is in the Raiders' headquarters, you saw it last year when Malik Collins was hailed as the key to the Raiders' defense by both Paul Gunther and John Gruden. That, uh, I don't know, maybe they just made their case that it's true since he had a terrible season and the defense had a terrible season. So wide receiver is on the top of your needs list. You've got cornerback at three. You've got defensive end as a massive position a of need. Okay. It's no defensive end is a must. Look, John Gruden gets raked over the coals rightfully for talking about how hard it is to find a pass rusher after trading Khalil Mack. But the fact of the matter is that people tout the fact that Max Crosby has seventeen sacks over the last two years. Seven of those sacks have come against two of the worst offensive lines in the history of football in Cincinnati and Jacksonville. They don't even really count. Go get a pass rusher. And on the cornerback position, uh, we both have cornerback on the list, of course. That's obvious. Does that mean you're getting someone good enough to supplant Mullen Island or Arnett? Have either of those two guys for you done enough to say that when training camp comes around, that they are locked into a starting quarterback position. Mullen, 80% yes. Arnett hasn't played enough, so it's it's incomplete. I can't, I, I can't give you a take on that. I well, mean, that's I, the whole point. I, 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 whole I, point. I will say I am, but I am uncomfortable with, hey, let's wait, let's develop. Like, it's go time. So if you got to make a hard decision and one of those guys has to be in a rotation, you probably have to do that, Candy. That's just the way it is. All right, on the way back, we're going to talk to uh, Jeff Drammer, get a uh, preview of uh, what's going on at the top of the Mountain West Conference. As we told you, last week was not great. You had a bunch of teams actually play themselves out of the field. Now they're back on the bubble, but they're right on the freaking edge. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. You are listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. You know, one more thing we should mention real quick about the uh, Dak Prescott deal that we didn't mention, aside from the $160 million, 126 guaranteed four-year extension with the Cowboys. No tags. That's it. Tags are done, Candy. So when he's 31, 32 years old, when this thing's all done, they can't jerk around with him again and, and try to tag him with that second tag so uh, he could be uh, free and clear of this whole deal. Jeff Grammer covers the uh, New Mexico scene where there's a lot of Cowboy fans. What's up, Jeff? What's up, guys? Were you actually a Cowboy fan growing up? No. Uh, I'll, I'll be quick with my story on who I like. I, uh, I was born in Santa Fe, about an hour north of, of Albuquerque, and uh, not a big sports household growing up. Single mom, wasn't too much into sports. My uh, babysitter's dad was watching a game one day, and uh, or ba- I'm sorry, babysitter's husband, my, and uh, he was watching a football game, and they had an SF on the helmet, and he told me that's the Santa Fe 49ers, and I'm telling you, I was eight or eight or nine years old before I realized <laughs> Joe Montana and Jerry Rice didn't come from Santa Fe 49 or from Santa Fe, New Mexico. So, wow, I'm a well, 49er fan because I'm an idiot. 
Well, you're smart now. I mean, it worked out. You're, you're a smart guy now. We, we, you know, we know that. Uh, all right, well, let's get into the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Uh, first of all, are you going to be here? I know the uh, the media restrictions are pretty strong here as they're trying to keep everyone safe. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming out there tomorrow. I'm flying out tomorrow. Okay. So what's this going to be like? I mean, what a bizarro season. Uh, you, you know, you guys have been bouncing around all year long or all season, really all year with the football team too. What's it going to be like is, you know, Paul Weir's coaching out the string here. So, I mean, it's a good question because they aren't even telling us who all's going. Um, last <laughs> Wednesday, they played one of the makeup games against um, Colorado State, one of the, the makeup games that frankly shouldn't have been played. It wasn't, that was one that wasn't even on TV, so it wasn't for a TV contract purpose or anything like that. But they, they played at Colorado State last week, and they only had six scholarship players available, and, and frankly played about as good as they played all year. They, they played a really good game, ended up losing by, it was still double digits, but it was close. They covered, it was 13 points, and, you know, they they looked like they were having fun and all that kind of stuff, but they only had six guys, and they, they had 13 scholarship guys this year. Um, nobody nobody was redshirted. One guy didn't play all year because after a COVID offseason, a case of COVID in the offseason, he, he never got cleared the heart-wise. Um, so look, they, they were down to six scholarship guys. Four guys played the previous game against the Air Force, that didn't play in that game, and that was what happened in between those two games. Was Paul Weir resigned, and so I don't know if those guys kind of got kicked off. If, I know hmm. one of them said he didn't really feel like playing anymore. He, he really liked Paul. Um, if those guys are coming back. They're not telling us. So, kind of t- to the end, they're they're still sort of being difficult in this weird year about like who's even going to play and who's not. And that's sort of what it's been like all year. I think that's part of, frankly, part of what led to them making the decision to do this, even though. The circumstances were so unique this year with COVID. Like they still pulled the trigger because it was just such a weird feel around the team all year, and uh, they were very, very closed about everything. And they still are. We don't even know who's going to make the trip tomorrow. Jeff Grimers with us, Albuquerque Journal on Cofield and Company. We'll get to the uh, the coaching situation because that's fascinating. The future head coach of the Lobos and Canada list, but let's do that in a couple minutes. Um, I know Candy was you know really livid at the beginning of the week, and he called it. With the Mountain West Conference rescheduled games, you know, as it turns out, two weeks ago, it looked like the Mountain West was in good shape to get two, maybe three, even a fourth team in. Now you've got three teams uh, on the bubble or on the outside looking in. Your general take on what they did here with these rescheduled games? Um, it was a ba- obvious. It makes it easy now to say it was a really bad decision. Um, but but we knew from the start that it wasn't necessary. They. I don't think it was necessary. I don't think they needed to do this. I don't think they helped themselves. Obviously, we know that now because of the Boise State loss in particular. I, I will say that my initial reaction to the to the Colorado State loss at Nevada was was you know that that blew it for them. They're out, but a, a road loss at Nevada um, might not be the worst thing in the world, especially if Nevada happens to pick off Boise State um, you know on Thursday in the quarters. But the, the Boise State losing to Fresno State, first of all, that's on them. We we get all that like. You know, beat them. That's the main thing. Like, don't complain about having to play the game. Just, just go beat them and not lose on your home court. But there's no reason that the Mountain West really should have put in a rare year. Like it was 2013 when this league got five teams in when they were a nine-team league. Nothing like that's happened since. I mean, they've had a couple of years where there a couple teams got in, but only because one won the tournament and another might have been in that large. The the fact that they had four in the conversation this year. It's not going to happen that often for teams outside of the top seven conferences. You know, it's just not going to happen that often. And they they put their teams at risk for little to gain from it. 
you know, Boise State wasn't going to gain anything by playing Fresno State, and now they might have cost themselves in the entire league for six years the unit shares that come with getting another team into the into the tournament. So I, I think it was a dumb idea at first, um, and, and it really kind of proved to be that way once they lost. And then the Colorado State loss wasn't great, obviously, but I don't think that one was nearly as bad as the Boise, the Boise State loss. And, Jeff, I hear it when people say, we'll just go win the game and it doesn't matter. That's Boise State's prerogative. That's Colorado State's prerogative. But they're not the ones who have to look out for the good of the conference. That's Colorado Springs' job. And that obviously didn't happen in this case. So I guess what I don't understand is you just talked about the unit shares. um, And for those who don't understand, you know, for, for getting the NCAA tournament bids, and the only argument we heard is that, well, the Mountain West wants to fulfill its TV contracts, whether it's CBS Sports or Fox or, or whoever it might be. Um, we're probably, in the end, talking about more money from those units than we are from a potential issue with the TV contracts, aren't we? I'd be shocked if the games played last week were the difference between hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in the TV contract. I'd, it would shock me if, if FS1... Or, who, or maybe it was CBS Sports. I don't recall who had the Boise State-Fresno State game. I'll just keep it on that one for the example. It would be shocked if that network said we're withholding hundreds of thousands of dollars for you, um, from you if you guys don't feel good, you know, put a good game in our time slot right here. And that would shock me. I think what happened was to keep the TV partners happy, which is something you, know, you do. It's what business partners do. They try and keep each other happy. I think that the league said, well, we'll keep you happy. We'll, we'll give you some games that last week. We'll, we have some makeups that we'll fill. That's why we put a makeup week in there. And, and it, it was a smart thing to put a week in there to, at the end of the season to, make, to have makeup games if needed. But I think the if needed part was what basically got overlooked in this decision. They kind of came to this conclusion, well, we have this whole week. Let's just give FS1 and, and CBS Sports Network all the, all the time they need, you know, all the, all the inventory they need to fill a Tuesday night you know, 9 p.m. start time slot, let's, let's make sure they have a game to go. And I just don't think that the contract was really going to be, you know, void if they didn't have that Tuesday game with Fresno State playing at Boise State. So I, I think the league really messed up with that. I, I'd be shocked if there was ever a conversation from those networks that said, if you don't have a game that night, we're not giving you any money. Jeff, if there's so much frustration, you know, from coaches, I know, you know, Dutcher and uh... – and Otzelberger here didn't want to play the San Diego State UNLV game. I saw, you know, a, sort of a related deal, not with the reschedule, but uh, Joe Parker and Nico Medved are like, I mean, pretty outright saying, hey, you know what, they don't listen to us. That was that whole tiebreaker thing for the number one seed. If there's dissatisfaction, how do people keep their jobs with the Mountain West Conference? It, yeah, it, it's a good question because I do think it's really easy for the coaches and ADs to come out and complain about it, and then in those meetings – probably have a whole different conversation with one mm. another because if you're telling me what they're saying publicly is what they're all saying in the same meetings where they vote on things then there's a real problem with their leadership ability because you know some somewhere along the way something's not exactly right. adding up and right. i think people need to understand that that kind of goes on with yeah. like roger goodell for instance owners can complain about him all the time but then when they get together they all say all right roger go be the bad guy for a while and, and you know take the hits for us because we agree this is better in the long run um, I do think ADs and coaches in this league do that quite a bit and kind of play the, the Craig Thompson is the bad guy kind of right. thing a little bit more than fan bases like to admit. Uh, who is going to win this tournament, the men's side tournament? You, you know what? Like, San Diego State is the best team in this league right now. But I'm going Utah State again. I'll, I'll, they don't have Sam Merrill, but I just I like that Utah State team. 
and uh, I'm going to go with Utah State for a third year in a row. Candy, who do you like if it's not going to be San Diego State? If it's not going to be San Diego State, then I'm right there with Jeff on, on Utah State. I mean, if you're going to give me Keita as a player who is going to win three games for me, not to say that, uh, you know, Raleigh Worcester is any small potatoes, but I'm going to take the <laughs> best player that I see in the conference in Keita. Where are we in the coaches' search, uh, grammar from the procedural standpoint, and then uh, the, the list? Because there are some, just like it happens here in Vegas, uh, there are tons of big names that you know, initially are discussed. So where are we? So a week into this, a little more, a week and a half into this, Eddie Nunez, the athletic director, is there in Las Vegas now. The women's team obviously plays earlier today in the women's tournament there. So he's there in Las Vegas. He has not done one interview yet, or I, I, I shouldn't say that. He might have done one today that I didn't know about. As of yesterday, he had not started any interviews yet, but he had spent the whole week last week basically ma- making his list of three or four or five names grow into about you know 15 or 20 names by calling all the people he knows and all that kind of stuff. So he has a, a big list that he's now working backwards on and trying to make shrink, and he's going to start doing interviews this week in Las Vegas. I, I do think that there's a, a safe bet that this will be not just a head coach, or either, no, I shouldn't say, set it up that way. It will either be a sitting head coach right now who's not done playing yet. He has made a lot of comments, the athletic director, Eddie Nunez, about how you know he may have to wait out to do the interviews until some teams are done playing. Um, or it's an assistant coach who has been a head coach somewhere. I, I don't think you'll see a Paul Weir hire where he had coached one year at New Mexico State. You won't see a Craig Neal hire where he might be a longtime assistant and wasn't a head coach before. I think it's safe to say at this point, this will be somebody who had multiple years as a head coach somewhere. What's the max budget? What are we looking at per year? Right now, what Paul Weir would have gotten would have been 775 next year, and I do think that they're in the range where optimistically they might be able to push into the nines. I doubt. I don't think they'll get to a million, but I do think that this job will probably pay annually maybe eight, eight to nine range. Is there anyone who could step up with money to get in the running for bounce-back coaches if they're available, like Arch Miller or Richard Pitino? I don't think so. Um, if, if there is that person, it's no, nobody that's really come to mind or come, come to light right now that I've heard anything about. I will say this, the, you know, his name's kind of come and gone already. But Eddie Nunez does have a few connections that, you know, Frank Martin coached him in, in high school. Um, if Frank Martin gets fired and doesn't land one of the three or four jobs he actually wants, you know, it could be like what Steve Alford was when he got run out of Iowa and had a pretty soft landing at New Mexico and things turned out pretty good there. So there are there is a chance that New Mexico would come up with a little bit more money to get one of those power five coaches that's getting run out right now and might expect a lot more money. But if they're getting buyout money in, in the first couple of years can be what like Alford's getting at Nevada where he got paid five hundred thousand last year and this year and he has a ten you know, it goes up to $1.2 million, I think it is, next year because of the UCLA money. If, if UNM can work out something like that, Eddie Nunez has already been open about being creative with, with, the, with the contract and backloading it if he can. Do you think UNLV will be looking for a coach and that uh, T.J. Alzerberger would leave if offered the Iowa State job? I, I think he would leave if offered the job, yeah. That's, that's the impression I get. And, and, you know, I asked somebody this the other day, and this is not to start, you know, any sort of big rumors or anything, but it, with, with Paul Weir now gone, and the San Jose State position being the ever, I guess, evergreen sort of hot seat in the league, if, if you want to give me a list of who the hot seat coaches in the Mountain West are going into next season, it isn't, I mean, San Jose State number one, but isn't P.J. number two? I don't know who else it is. There's a lot of first-year coaches and, and coaches that are having success. 
TJ's got to be the number two hot seat coach going into next year, right? Not sure yet. Not sure yet. (laughs) I just don't know who else it would be, especially not with that pace. Uh, Yeah, that's part of it. That's part of it. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing to discuss. I'm I, and you're certain that uh, let's go back to the San Jose State part. You're certain that they're not going to be looking for a coach in a couple of days? No, 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 okay. no, no. I, I just think San Jose State, whoever that position is, is probably every year sort of the the evergreen hot seat candidate. So no, I'm not I'm not saying they are or aren't going to be searching for a coach. They may be. Yeah. Um, I just think that that job is, is pretty much always the hot seat position because they never have any success. Right. All right, Jeff. We'll see. I hope. See you later. <laughs> there you go. Jeff Geimer, Albuquerque Journal. Yeah, the reason I can't answer that, Candy, is, uh, one, it's a five-year deal with Otzelberger, and I, I don't know, you know, from the top of the school to the powers that be around the program, how they look at this COVID season. How do you think they look at it? I mean, it's a, it's a guess. Is this just a wash? It doesn't count, and essentially next year is year two for T.J. Otzelberger? I don't think you can say it's year two. I don't know that you say that he's on the hot seat, but I think we're somewhere in the middle of those two things because the way this team has regressed over the course of the season is the real problem. It's not a matter of did they win more games than last year, did they advance farther than last year. I think that's the COVID piece that you can be willing to have some flexibility with. But I think you look at the talent that came back. You look at a Bryce Hamilton. You look at now I got my guy. David Jenkins is here. You look at, now I got my guy. Caleb Grill is ready to play. Moses Wood is ready to play. And you see all of that, and you see how that group has stepped back over the course of the year. That doesn't say to me, you get a wash. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Seeing some of these uh, franchise tags coming down, Candy. Brandon Scherf with the football team. He got franchised. He's going to make 18 mil this year. Big number for a guard, but he's about as good as it gets in the NFL. He's been that way since they drafted him. Redskins like that second tag, don't they? They're like, well, you know, we're going to hold out as long as possible before we sign you to a long-term extension. Yeah, the Kirk Cousins theorem. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So big news of the day, Dak Prescott, $160 million contract, $126 million is guaranteed. He's going to get virtually, not virtually, he's going to get $75 million the first year. Uh, the 66 bonus is the highest ever. Who had 65, Candy? Where are my numbers? Where are my notes? 65, that was Russell Wilson. Before that, up front money, uh, Aaron, Ro- Aaron Rodgers, 57.5. Joe Flacco got $40 million, so Prescott's the highest ever. Deshaun wasn't far off that in terms of upfront money, was he? Uh, I don't see him on this list, but okay. maybe the list right. is erroneous. I hadn't thought of this one. Is there any chance that, I mean, this, this agent's been going back and forth, Todd France, forever. With Jerry Jones. Is there any chance that Jones got him on this deal? I was just looking at a, a tweet here. Uh, Jerry does have a better idea of the TV deal money that's coming. Is there any chance he just got them? He just got Prescott? Like, they're like no. we, could, we could have paid him $53 million a year. Can't believe I that kid took that. Highly doubt that coming off a flat cap season. Um, I, I highly doubt that. 
Let me ask you a question. Uh, Jets put the tag on Marcus May. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. The fact Pay that big it, money to a safety, you're good. Uh, no, nah, I don't love it, but I'm I'm okay with it. And I, the fact that his agent was griping last week, I'm like, are we going to do this again at the safety position? Hey, got you two first round picks last time. Yeah, it did. It did. Like I said, I don't, I don't love it. I don't love it. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Update on the Lady Rebels. God, I wish you were on these games. But I feel like you're the voice of the. Re- I don't want to, you know, I don't want to rip to the new guy, but I feel like you know you're the voice of the Lady Rebels. What the hell's going on here? Well, I, I'm I'm the voice of Monday Afternoon on Cofield and Company, which let's be honest, is yes. a far more lucrative job. Yeah, um, well, okay. <laughs> Maybe you need to get uh, Dak Prescott's agent. I do. I need some help yeah. negotiating. Yeah. Uh, down fifteen to eight to Wyoming. Come on. After period number one. Yeah. Uh, again, it's a team that it's been fifteen years since they were in in the. Mountain West uh, Finals, so get going. Good news, though. Clearly, program going in the right direction. You get Coach of the Year honors in your first year. That's pretty good stuff. Coach of the Year and Freshman of the Year for Desiree Young and Defensive Player of the Year for Bailey Thomas. Best part about both of those, local players. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Wild out to a one nothing lead at the end of one. No Petrangelo, no Stone. And Zach Whitecloud apparently took a pretty nasty little tumble for the Golden Knights in period number one, so the decor getting thinner and thinner. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Ari, are you getting married for a second time? Can you guarantee you're not? (laughs) That was pretty quick. Didn't even know what I was going to ask him. That's your answer? Okay. He had that so ready. That was impressive. Why are there some people who just, they just love to be married? I don't know if it made it through the weekend, but Nick Cage got married for the fifth time over the weekend. Andy Samberg's Get in the Cage skit on Saturday Night Live where he does Nick Cage is one of the single funniest things I've ever seen, especially the episode where he did it with Nick Cage. We're back tonight, 1030, late night, happy hour. Adam Hill will be somewhere leading the show from a conference tournament.